0: chance on here, Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in Christian Pulisic for Chelsea 1-0 Quick thinking by Alisson and it's Salah can lift it still Salah, Salah gets his goal against Manchester United steals all three points for Liverpool and they're through again it's Traber again so long two strikes as quick as lightning
1: the ghost goal podcast we're back to discuss the opening 4 to 5 days of the euros and give you a little preview of a tournament that may have already started but uh, has plenty more to go in the Copa America. It's Been moved to Brazil, you'll see uh, Javier's favorite team, uh, Peru, Uh, obviously Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Colombia. It's a stacked tournament that's got a a nice little different format change. We're gonna get into that and preview some of the favorites for that tournament a little bit later in the pod. But obviously we've got to open with the Euros restarting on Friday. We've had plenty of games since Friday, uh, but the biggest news line that's come out of the tournament so far has to have been, obviously, the almost tragic event of uh, Saturday afternoon when Christian Eriksson suffered a cardiac arrest in the Denmark-Finland game. And uh, the football world stood still for a good good hour there, uh, or at least it felt like an hour. And there's people that, you know, witnessed it live. I am one of those people. And it was a very harrowing experience for those. And there's other people that, you know, didn't get to watch it live. There wasn't any video circulating, so it's kind of hard. The rest of us are trying to, like, explain to people what it was really like. But they still understand the significance of the event. Javier, first of all, how are you doing? And uh, where were you and how did you, uh, you know, ingest that uh, that afternoon of the, the news coming in and everything? I'm
0: doing pretty well. I, like everyone else, was just horrified. I think there was something about it almost being two minutes before he actually got started getting medical attention. Um, and it was C- Simon Kier, Kier, the captain of the team, who ended up like lifting his head and performing CPR. Um, but the fact that it took two minutes for that to happen and like there was inaction that's, I think, unacceptable. And, I mean, it seems that a lot of people are taking more initiative now and starting to learn from this type of event.
1: Isn't isn't the... I feel like the reaction's been largely the opposite, that they've applauded players like Simon Kier, and actually people applauded Anthony Taylor, the, the referee, for, you know, stopping the game as quickly as he did and getting the medical officials there. And I guess they can say that because he obviously uh, survived and is stable now and, and doing okay with no... Uh, you know, obvious uh, after effects, but uh, yeah, I just, I I mean, I can understand why you'd think they should be able to get to it sooner, but how fast can you reasonably expect them to get there? You know, if they've got to run across an entire field and you got to try and analyze in the moment, just how serious it is. Uh, Obviously the outcome like dictates how people uh, approach it now that he's okay. So everything went well, but I don't know. Do you, do you know do you know more than I do about that? That like that took too long.
0: Well, basically just that I've listened to like a couple of podcasts where they talked about it and just just people saying that like the response time of uh like the medical staff was a bit slow. Like that there should have been like that the time it took for him to actually start getting CPR. Like he he was out in like you know, pretty much as soon as yeah. he hit the ground, so like it was, it was scary to watch. So with his eyes open, and right? Everything. So it, like, it really He like, needed CPR like immediately, and I don't know. It's, well, that's what Simon Kier
1: started. Yeah, they said they said that he was. the one But again, like why? So like, but like, don't you think
0: like th- there's, there's a question like why a player is the one who's who's having to do that? Like the medical staff should have been. That's what.
1: Because, well, because he's the f- closest one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, but
1: also in that moment, like the news gets all the players react. They see him, I mean, we at home react and see just how like crazy it is because we've got a zoomed in camera. But then, you know, it takes a couple seconds for the players to convey to the ref just how serious it is. The ref then has to make the decision to stop the game. Then the ref has to say, you know, come on. And maybe it first starts out being, oh, we just need the the physios like from the team. They come out and do it. And then next level up, we need like the proper medical staff who can deal with a life-threatening event. I remember just being amazed by, I think in American sports, we're used to having, if something really crazy happens in a sporting event, they'll drive like the ambulance onto the field and it will go across the grass and they'll get them off the field like as soon as possible. But it, the the half, it was near the end of the first half and the, the clock just kept ticking. It was like the 56th, 60th minute. And you were just sitting there like, can we just like go to halftime and then? And can they just like get every, like get him like to an actual like hospital? It was crazy how like they had to keep him there in order to try and like save his life. Cause it seems pretty clear now that he was, he was dead for a second there. Yeah, no, he was
0: dead for, uh, yeah, he was dead for a while there. Stop. Yeah, that's, that that's really scary. <sighs> but, 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 but what I think is important to learn is that, you know, if you don't know how to do CPR, that it's an important thing to know because. It can happen to anyone. Like, this is, like, one of the most fit athletes in the world, and he wasn't doing anything particularly, like, strainful, like fighting in the air with someone. Like, no one was near him, and he just collapsed, and the commentators kept saying that they were watching, that they watched footage of him two or three minutes before, and he hadn't had any contact with anyone. He'd only just been jogging around, so... He hadn't even been, like, doing crazy strenuous activity. It was only, you know, the end of the first half, so... I'm, uh... Yeah, I'm really happy he's okay. It's it would have been tragic if something had bad had happened because we've seen tragic, we, yeah. we've seen a, a few players you know die or swallow their own tongue or get that's, get brain damage. I, I wanted to
1: finish like this sort of segment on on just what ho- the impact. Ho- hopefully of this could he can have play. Been. I don't think I think that
0: might be the end of his career, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait to find out because the the last like well I, I don't even want to call it high profile because compared to this it just doesn't seem that way but before this event the most high profile one i could remember was uh, Fabrice fabrice from bolton collapsing i think in like a, a, a league cup game like what's now the carabao cup he was
0: playing for that bolton, was like 2010 right
1: and like yeah it was like more than 10 years ago hardly anyone was watching it certainly wasn't at a euros don't uh, you remember like that kid first... on uh
0: that kid on ix i at Nuri?
1: Yes, I I didn't think I don't think that was during a game though, was it? I think it was. That was during a game, and then he yeah he's, he's he was in a coma for like two years. Yeah, I think I think he's still just like coming out of a coma. He came he out of like the a, coma, a, a yeah, but he's really significant. Yeah, he's got after a effects. ton
0: of after effects, right? So,
1: but but for Bruce Mwamba, he had to retire. I think he was in his late twenties, and like his whole game was built around his athleticism and his his lungs and everything, and uh, that that ended his career. What, Frankly, if you just focus on even the, the result, Denmark losing this game one nil, there's a whole other conversation to be had about them coming back an hour and a half later after this event transpired and continuing the game. Yeah, it's kind of crazy you know, that they were very obviously that they were you the know. Danish players weren't up to it. Yeah, you know, they just saw their friend almost die. Um, so uh, they they lose the game one nil, but I, I don't think anyone in Denmark would. Uh, be lying if they said we could lose every game in the rest of this tournament and go out and it doesn't matter. Like, cause it, thank God, like Christian Eriksen survived that. And cause you know, uh, Denmark, they were one of my picks to like really make a, like a pretty good move in the, in this tournament. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not angry about that kind of falling apart, but they're not going to have Christian Eriksen obviously for the rest of this tournament and the, the just the effects of dealing with this kind of event not just for that the rest of that Finland game for, for these next couple of games they've got coming up uh, against the likes of Belgium and Russia it's uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them so um, hopefully they can you know make something of it and you know give their their fans some positive memories other than the the, the whole Ericsson uh, borderline tragedy um, but there's plenty of other games to talk about we kind of jumped ahead to Group B there uh, in Group A, To kick things off, Friday night, Italy, Turkey, in the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. It was a really great occasion. You had, uh, what's his name? The opera singer. Why am I forgetting his name? Do you not know who I'm talking about? Singing Nessun Dorma. Was it Andrea Bocelli? Yeah, I'm guessing it was Andrea Bocelli. (laughs) And I just blanked on the name. Who sang Nessun Dorma. That was some spine-tingling stuff there from uh, Andrea Bocelli. And then Italy just uh, wiped the floor with Turkey. You know, it was nil-nil in the first half. Uh, i think we were kind of expecting a bit more oomph from turkey and they seemed a bit uh wide eyed and not ready for the occasion and then in the second half italy just took over and d- didn't let uh turkey's well, sorry low sorry I, line I didn't i didn't, I didn't and watch won it the game 3-0. was
0: it was it the guy who same guy who sung in the champions league final no oh okay no that was it Andrea it
1: like, i'm pretty sure it was Andrea Bocelli. who i was like whoever's the m- main guy that you think of when you think of like opera singers, like the most famous opera singer. It was it was him. And he's and an Italian. He, he
0: sings in Italian. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's probably him. And he and he sang Nessun uh, Dorma for which was
1: the just anthem yeah, briefly for Briefly about the game, I was and...
0: I was disappointed with Turkey. Obviously, in this, they were awful. They really just didn't have a lot of have, have a chance, and Italy, you know, had a bunch of half chances. They took advantage of their chances, and you know, in, in the end, the own goals really what got them going, which. You need a little bit of luck in in these types of tournaments. They got it, and you know they have. They it wasn't
1: have... luck, though. Like they were, no, no, they no, no. were building. I'm to saying, that goal. yeah, they were. I'm like, saying,
0: I'm saying, just getting the goal. Chiro
1: Immobile was right behind him. He, was, like, he would have tapped he was, it in yeah. anyway. Like Domenico Berardi, who they played at, at right wing instead of Federico Chiesa, who's been amazing for uh, Juventus he really justified his inclusion he's the one who played that ball across he absolutely terror, terrorized the turkish defense yeah, for most of the night i don't, night. I don't well know how well much we uh, should Spinozola. take from this
0: game because turkey was really really bad and you know italy just kind of wiped the floor with them um we, there was a few results yeah, like you, this
1: you're saying that but wales could just or turkey could just beat the shit out of wales yeah that would that tomorrow. would put this game more and into perspective and all of a sudden you think turkey are a good team again that would <laughs> like, that
0: would put this more into perspective for sure
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm just saying there are a few names that were kind of surprise inclusions in the Italy team
0: that Locate, uh, you know, surprised looked, me. Locatelli look pretty good. Apparently, he's a player that a lot of European clubs, big clubs, Juventus, Manchester United, you know, Chelsea, City, a bunch of teams are looking at Locatelli. So we'll see if he uh, ends up moving this summer. Um, he plays for Sassuolo, but he's been... Um, yeah, apparently just a, a, an amazing like defensive midfielder and he he looked really good next to Jorginho who who played really well and confident as well and Nico Barella who just won the uh, the Italian title. Um I mean yeah, the, the team was exciting. I think uh you mentioned already Spinazzola. Oh no, you said Berardi, but uh, Spinazzola was no, also No, was
1: Spinazzola I was going to bring up. say Spinazzola was, was also really incredible. good.
0: Yeah, he was the the main attacking outlet from Italy and yeah, I'm excited to see more from uh from Italy in the tournament. They look like a like a fun attacking side. Um, and then Turkey, they just didn't get going. I don't know if um, I didn't like that that Under didn't start. I, yeah, he came on and right away he was like their only sort of
1: outlet. Exactly, he had like a counterattack just before the they went down. I even and then I also post and
0: I also think that I don't know if Turkey could play three at the back, but if if they were playing a game against Italy, I, I would maybe they should have played. Um, you know, they had Kabak. I think they got the tactics wrong in this. I think they'll switch things up in the next game, so I think we'll see a different Turkey.
1: I don't know if they got the the formation wrong. Like, I think they'll continue with the the 3 but there may be some. You I, know, I just
0: think if like you're playing a big like team like, team like, like Italy, that's bigger than you, they could have gone Kabak Demiril Soyuncu and had a three at the back and like tried to like. They just don't. They I just haven't seen them play three at the back that often. I know. I'm just saying that maybe in these big games they they could have tried to go for a draw or like a, a cheeky win, but instead they just got ripped apart.
1: Maybe I found I found more of their issues to be kind of what I predicted where they, they just didn't have the quality in midfield to really gain a foothold. They couldn't slowly progress the ball forward and their only chance of uh, on those, you know, quick counterattacks from like very deep positions was pacey players like Undere. So I, I mean, maybe that's just a, a an example of when you play against a team like Italy with Jorginho and Barella and Insigne dropping in and Locatelli, like you mentioned, like that's they've just got more quality. They're at home, everything's in their favor. Uh, this this is probably a, it's a bad result for Turkey in that they conceded three. If they had managed to lose like one nil and hold on, maybe that result like means something. If Italy goes on to you know do the same to Switzerland and Wales, it might just be a case of who got beat the worst by uh, Italy in this group. We should probably move on a little bit to Wales and Switzerland because uh or just talk about like the grouping general maybe not the entire wales switzerland game but yeah there's i, don't, I mean set it set was now, kind of a boring game it's set up now where like switzerland probably should have beaten wales they're disappointed they concede a sort of late goal in the 74th minute when Kiefer moore scores off a set piece i think of i think wales
0: deserved it wales had like good good periods of play
1: they were okay but like i thought switzerland were you know a good bit better but you know they kind of struggle sometimes in that role where I
0: don't see I don't see any any team outside of Italy in this force. group really surprising in this tournament um I mean Switzerland they they like you said like they were pretty good they probably deserve to win they're going to be disappointed um I see it being a close group still between them Turkey Wales for those for those last two spots and I don't think that draw helps them at all. I think that was "quote unquote" the easiest game of the group for them. So, so you're still are you still sticking to Turkey, getting out of the group, or do you
1: think three uh, nil is too much to overcome?
0: I, I still think they get out. I still think they get out. I think they're going to beat Switzerland. But
1: I think I think you pit them second place.
0: That might be a little you hard. More... Yeah, I think they might get out in third. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean they've got a ton riding on this uh, Wales game uh, coming up. Sorry, tomorrow. they're going
0: to beat uh, Wales, yeah.
1: But luckily for for them, they've got. You know, their other rivals, Switzerland, playing against Turkey in Rome, uh, so uh, they can hope for uh, a result that favors them in that. Uh, let's move on back to Group B, the group that has uh, the Denmark-Finland results, but uh, Belgium beat Russia 3-0 pretty decidedly in St. Petersburg on Saturday afternoon, uh, double from uh, Romelu Lukaku, one in the 10th minute and one in the 88th minute and then a Thomas Munier goal after he came I, on for Tim- Timothy Castaignes. It was
0: it was plus 660 for Lukaku to win golden boot for the tournament. I should have taken that. Like I know that like Ronaldo also got a brace on the first uh game week and it could very easily be Ronaldo if he goes all the way to the final and just takes a bunch of penalties. But I I kind of think Lukaku's going to go deep in this tournament as well and him scoring a brace, that that would have been a nice little bet there. But yeah, this game, I don't think we can take too much from it. Russia were complete shit, posed absolutely no threat to Belgium at any point in this game. And, you know, Belgium were basically a- able to lose their first choice right back to injury. And then within like five minutes, Menneweer came on and scored a goal. And it just like, it seemed like it was like all too easy for, for Belgium in this game. I-, I don't know how much we really learned from them. The first Lukaku goal think, was kind of a fluke. Did
1: you think Lukaku's goal was offside? The first one?
0: Yeah. I mean it was, but like it took a deflection off the Russian defender. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I get it. Every time I watch it it just doesn't sit right with me though. Like cuz the ball is very clearly being played to Lukaku cuz there's no other Belgian players in the vicinity. So I, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of thought
0: But like it was just like it's I think it's another phase of play, right? So like the ball is played but like the offside is not called until the player touches the ball, right? Yeah, so I guess it was just what like was played it.
1: in was so shitty because Lukaku made a run and the ball went straight to the defender instead. And because the defender, I forget his name, just fluffed his lines and let it, you know, deflect under his foot and or like fall into Lukaku's lap, it's now onside. I, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of not confused. Confused isn't the word for it, but I was uh a little perplexed by that, but, you but know, Lu- he ends up.
0: I, I think the one the, the one thing early. I learned from this game is Lukaku is the man for Belgium in this tournament. You know, there was no KDB, there was no Eden Hazard. Thorgan looked pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, if,
1: even without, I mean, even so did without Yannick Carrasco.
0: But like, but now, Thiel- but Thielden now you still see, yeah, things. I was gonna say now you see Lukaku demanding the ball all the time, demanding for to get the ball, and his hold up play is just. It's so much better than what it was at Manchester United or at Everton. I just remember his, you know, first touch and his hold up play being awful. It's 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 completely changed after a year under Antonio Conte, so
1: He also looks to like take players on a lot more now, which is, you know, what people always were asking of him, but he would kinda of pussy out of. Now he just kinda of realized, Oh, I can just knock it past people and then just bully them and run past them and Get to it first.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's it's, really scary. Yeah, he's uh, he's one point. of the best strikers uh, in the world right now, no doubt about it. Um, but again, not that much to take from this Belgium. You know, they're going to easily win the group, and this is just expected of them.
1: Yeah, so let's move on to England-Croatia, which was Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, Raheem Sterling... Scored the winner, 57th minute. It's
0: coming home. It's coming no, stop home.
1: That. Stop that right we now. We
0: all know hey, it's we coming We have to mention, home. I mean, every other,
1: every other outlet has mentioned this, but it's worth mentioning it's the first time England have ever won their opener at a Euros. It's also the first time Croatia have ever lost their opener at a Euros. I
0: honestly think that, like, Southgate learned a lot from this game, and he got the lineup wrong, but still got the winner, which –
1: You think he got it wrong? Yeah, I
0: think he actually got this lineup wrong. How exactly? I wasn't a big fan of the Karen Trippier at left back. I know that he, for some reason, he absolutely loves it. He he loves Trippier. Yeah, I don't know why. Full stop. But I also thought Walker was kind of lackluster at right back. Like, I didn't... he, he, He plays more as like a center back slash like... You know, center midfielder, inverted center midfielder for Manchester City. I think I think he put those four defenders
1: of, out there in the back line to not attack. Like, yes, they got forward and, you know, supplied the wingers, but they weren't like trying to, you know, push to get into the box or try to like play balls in or anything like that. They were like Trippier and Walker were there to like defend first and foremost and then he left the attacking players and midfielders like Calvin Phillips was allowed to like go forward and he played amazingly and was probably mad All at right, the match but like
0: but like Reece James just won the Champions League you don't think he should deserve to be oh. starting in like right back
1: no. i mean yeah i 100% uh do but and then like i think Luke I kind of Shaw is just from, definitely a way better left of back than from Trippier from gareth southgate's point of view you're playing croatia a team that yes they do have like young players in certain areas like uh, vardiol the the left back, but for the most part, it's all like grizzled veteran players who had a lot of them were just involved in that World Cup run and just beat you in that the World Cup semifinal. He probably just wanted to let, go for experience first, you know, get I, that first I, but, win, okay, so and then he can play. James I, I didn't and like the Shaw back line chill well in then the Scotland game. Um,
0: Croatia had a lot of half chances. They had a lot of you know. They honestly nothing great, nothing nothing great, but like they they look a shadow of their former self you know they don't have they don't have menzukic in this team you know they, they don't have that goal scorer that puts away the goals that can get them you know they still have some nice moments in midfield they did and and like that that's where their their hope is but what i was going to say is england's midfield looked really good calvin phillips was fantastic um for me probably the man of the match um declan rice was good and and and, and so was mason mount they were all just doing their thing and, and that was they worked so hard in the midfield. I've never seen England have such a hard-working midfield. Um, and then you even had Foden dropping in and and kind of dictating and Harry Kane was able to do his thing as well. I mean, he had a couple of half chances. To, didn't really get get, the, I get mean, involved Harry Kane in this had game.
1: The, the one chance when he hit the when he hit the, his head off the post yeah, from that Mason that was Mount about cross. It.
0: But, but Raheem sterling i mean he seems to always play a little bit better for england um i think that's six goals in his last six games for england it's his first goal at a major tournament wow
1: that's crazy it's crazy so um, i mean also i think a lot of people i don't know how many people were thinking he wouldn't make the starting lineup but i think a lot of us like wouldn't have been surprised if uh, yeah, i mean based i think you would have thought like season, sancho had gone somewhere i think you would have thought sancho or rashford
0: was going to play, but Sancho apparently he didn't even make the bench. Something is going on with him. I th- he 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 was sick supposedly. Okay. Had a Sickness. Um,
1: I'm not sure. Hopefully it's not COVID. But yeah, I mean but we
0: didn't see we didn't see Grealish. We didn't see Sancho. We didn't see. Um, we saw a little bit of Bellingham, but I would like to see him start in one of the next two games. But I think England now after beating Croatia they'll they'll walk this group. You thought Croatia were going to win the group. Do you think that's you'd change your mind now? No, I picked England to win the group. Oh, you did. Okay, okay, never mind.
1: I had Croatia second and Scotland third, but that obviously is dead, kind of dead in the water now. Yeah, I mean, I think Croatia. There's kind of alarm bells ringing. They have this next game against uh, Czech Republic, who won their first game against Scotland. We'll get to it in a second, but I, I think it was a mostly to do with the Wembley factor that I mentioned. Like people, okay, the last five Euros. England, in their first game, had taken the lead and then lost the lead late on in the match, in their opening match of the Euros. And this time, they didn't. They took the lead despite, you know, not playing amazingly, playing pretty well, but it was a pretty even game, uh, and then get the lead early in the first half and manage to not relinquish it, and they walk out with their first ever win in the opening game of a Euros, and it's at Wembley. Is that a coincidence? I don't think it is. They're obviously going to be at Wembley for these next two games in, in the group. And if they keep winning, I think they just keep playing at Wembley. So it's 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 a real uh, question mark for uh, like which team, like if they do draw France or Portugal or Germany in the, the first knockout round, it's like one of those three teams from that group that's going to play them in the first knockout round. Can those teams come in and, and beat them in Wembley? Uh, maybe France and Portugal. Wait, so can, why do why? But, it might but be like tough. some of
0: these other teams are playing at home as well. Why does uh, England but maintain I'm just saying the Wembley
1: England advantage is like significantly different. But does England like get to play have, all
0: of their games at Wembley?
1: I like I think so. I think there's like a possibility because Wembley is where the the final is hosted. I think maybe they might have to go away to like in, a, in the knockout rounds at some point. But I'm pretty sure from everything I'm hearing from English outlets. England have the chance to just like the, the main reason they think England have the chance to win this is cuz England get to play most of their games at Wembley which is just a, a crazy advantage like but <laughs> yeah we'll see um that that Scotland game on Friday is absolutely huge and I, even though Scotland lost to Czech Republic which we can talk about now um I, I still think Go, they goal have of a chance to win the tournament Patrick make, Schick,
0: that was we just got to yes, say it now. But he, I, I still you know, think Scotland because of the rivalry they have
1: with England I know you're trying to move on, but we have to uh, we have to talk about this from the Scotland point of view first, because it was a home game for them at Pan Ham- Hamden Park in, in Glasgow. They had first tournament game since nineteen ninety eight. They have no chance. Like, they have
0: no chance, but like, uh, I, I don't know what happened. You want to talk
1: about home advantages. There were a bunch of teams that had home advantage this week and completely shat the bed. So I don't know what happened you know, to it's Kieran Tierney. Not that much of an I don't know advantage. what happened to
0: Kieran Tierney. Um I think he went down hurt right before the match. Typical Tierney. Shocker. Right. But uh, if they don't have him, I think they're gonna have
1: Kieran Tierney,
0: right? I think they're gonna have absolutely <laughs> zero chance. And I think the pro- the problem for Scotland was like they have, they had like the best chances fall to like Armstrong and Robertson. Like they 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 don't have a striker. They don't like they have. No, they didn't start Shea Adams. They started Lyndon Dykes up top. Yeah, and they had to they like, bring on Adams really early on. And yeah, it, I don't know. It for me, it wasn't it wasn't a great performance uh, that convinced me to to that this team can do anything but maybe they'll the this next, you know, if they put in a uh, get a draw against England, I'll change my mind. I want to see a big performance though.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is because of the the rivalry between those two, you know, nations, uh, the, I think it evens the odds a little bit. We know Scotland are going to be defensive when they they play England at Wembley, and we know that's going to be a very different uh, you know, question for England to answer, and they're going to have to play different players to try and break that Scotland, uh, you know, defensive line down. Um, and, and those players, maybe those Scotland players are a bit more up for it that maybe there's not the pressure of being at home and it being like the game you should be winning against the Czech Republic. Maybe they play better as, as a result. I, I, the tournament's not over for them, but you're right. They need a result. They need a, at least a draw, uh, against England. And if they pull off a draw, then I'm not saying they can beat Croatia. That would be very, very tough. Uh, But depending on Croatia's position, maybe they had a shock loss to uh, Czech Republic and now their tournament's basically over. So who knows? Moving out of that group, I forget the name of that group, but England's group uh, and moving on to, I think the game of the weekend, it's kind of, you know, not really up for debate. Holland 3, Ukraine 2 it was a sunday afternoon
0: yeah what, what, a, what a crazy what a fun game yeah if you if if, yeah. if you missed this game you you really did miss the game of the of the
1: i mean i'm pretty sure i told everyone tournament. to watch this game this was game at the weekend you predicted for me this,
0: alex i mean it, even the first half which ended 0 nil, was still really fun and had a bunch of chances and you thought to yourself like it could have been like 1-1 or 2-1 at, at halftime um, and then everything came to fruition the the second half it just the goals burst on the scene um, I think Andrew called in his bets to bet on Wijnaldum scoring yeah. in this game. And We're gonna give did. a shout out to Andrew. Yeah, that was That's a good, uh, that was a big, big shout out there. Pick. Yeah, but yeah, three, three, two, big, big result for the Dutch, um, and just like establishing that they're gonna be the the big dogs in this group. If Ukraine had able to be, been able to even get like a draw out of this after being down two nil, you would have thought that that would have been huge momentum for them. But the fact that like you know, five minutes after Ukraine get the equalizer, Dumfries scores like a beautiful goal to, to win it. And yeah, just a uh, well, great game. That's, that's like the, the type of passion you love to see in the euros and, you know, heroes come to, to fruition. Uh, Weghorst, the like massive striker that the Dutch play he's, he's, he's pretty decent for like a guy who's like six, six. Um, but he's, uh, he's kind of, kind of fun to watch. It's actually, it's
1: actually just Bash Dost. He's, uh, you know he's lost a little bit of weight and he's just looking better. You know,
0: yeah, he kind of, he he's kind the same of kind of player. Like
1: he's just a, a big Dutch, huge, huge, throws his weight around and you know makes him, uh, like a, a nuisance of himself. Uh, I'm gonna zag a little bit here while you're zigging. Maybe it's because I picked Ukraine to like be kind of like one of the surprise teams of the tournament. I still haven't given up on 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 that. I think what they showed to come back from two nil down and frankly like they were. Okay, defensively, they'd given away a lot of chances that Holland should have taken in the first half. But in the process, they were doing pretty well consistently to like play pretty slick passing moves through the wings to get out. Uh, and you know, Holland had their own defensive issues that they could have conceded a couple times in the first half. And then finally, uh, you know, Andrey Yamalenko just says, "Fuck this!" I'm drifting in on my left and putting this top left corner and scores un- until that shit goal. What was the? The goal of the tournament like it, it was just so perfectly hit and then the rest of the ukrainian team wakes up and they all start like taking the initiative to actually you know go forward and try to make something happen it, 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 kind it was of impressive like to watch they, it they was were, fun to watch yeah it, it's kind of seemed like they were not like overawed by the occasion but they were kind of like waiting for like the first goal to be scored rather than go out and you know take the initiative themselves I think what they've realized now, after I mean, they concede that, that late Denzel Dumfries header, which was insane. I'd never seen him do do that before, um, but he played amazingly that whole game. Um, but I, I think they take that one and they've got these next two games against uh, North Macedonia next, I think, and then Austria. They can win those two games. I'm calling it right now. They win those two games. Yeah, they finish in second. I think so. Uh and, you know, they get out of the group. I think Austria probably also get out of the group. Austria, with their win against North Macedonia, it was their first win, I think, at a major European or major competition. Shout out to North Macedonia, like, though. Like, they were like the they 70s. were
0: better on pressing and, like, passing on the ball than, than people give them credit for. This is a team that did beat Germany um, a few months ago, and... You know they still they still had their moments in this. They got a goal. They they looked threatening in that game. And Austria are just you know have much more international pedigree and have had good have good players. And you know they're they're all, they're definitely going to make it through to the next round. Um, but you know North Macedonia, this is their first tournament. Um, and they're all they they the, these games are the the type of games that you could see how happy the players were and the fans were to to have their their team be representing their their nation and. Yeah, it's uh, it's teams like this still being competitive that that makes you makes the Euros like a special tournament.
1: Yeah, let's move on to the uh, Spain, Sweden, and Poland, Slovakia group. Uh, Slovakia got the uh, surprising two one win uh, against Poland, taking advantage of a Chesney own goal in the eighteenth minute and a Krakowiak. Uh, second yellow card with 30 minutes to go to win their first game of the tournament after you and I both said, L- yeah, they're L- getting out.
0: Lewandowski, <laughs> Lewandowski all, like choked in this. I mean, he had, I want to say three pretty good chances and two other half chances. And he just didn't score in this. And yeah, the rest of the team didn't play that well. Zielinski kind of let me down. He had, he had a couple decent chances as well. And I don't know. I thought that this Poland side, they played well enough to, to win the game and just didn't do it. And, uh, Skriniar, I mean, he's, he's I think, still one of the best defenders in the world. Um, he he was one of the best players, um, you know, on this inter-winning, title-winning side. And, yeah, the Slovakia side definitely surprised me a little bit because um, they still created a decent bit of chances in the game and were able to hold the ball. Um, and they're they're gritty at the back. They're really hard to, to score on. So, you know, I, I don't see teams scoring more than two goals on them. You know, uh, during the tournament. So and then that nil nil Spain and Sweden. I mean, what a what a defensive performance from Sweden. Um, But like what a choke from Spain where they had, I don't know, seven or eight really good chances that they should have scored and put away. And Robin Olsen made some brilliant saves, was definitely the man of the match. But uh, Spain should have won this game like three 0
1: Sweden had Sweden had their chance to uh, nick one or two. Yeah, they had a, they had a couple chances on
0: the counter. They have Isak some. They have some fun. Yeah, yeah, Isak was definitely very very good. I, I think he's going to get a goal or two in this tournament and and you know really introduce himself to fans. Um, I hope that he gets a move to a bigger club in a year or two because I think he's an exciting player.
1: I mean, that's, it's a huge result for Sweden, and I don't think it's anything more than they would have asked for. Uh, Jan Andersson. Their manager is like a notoriously defensive coach. That's how they've had their success. That's what I like about them. I I think they would have targeted this first result, you know, in Seville, in Spain. (laughs) I was sending you uh, messages of quotes from Jan Anderson about how tough it was to play in 90 degree heat at 9 p.m. in in, in Seville. And I was like, bruh, if you guys are struggling now, wait till Qatar in in a year and a half. You guys are going to be absolutely wheezing. Um, but, you know, they, it, despite that, they viewed those as, you know, poor circumstances to go in and try and get a result. Yet they got the nil nil. They got the point to kick things off. They didn't lose their opening game like Poland did. Poland are now in a much more dire situation. Sweden can go into these next two games. They've got Slovakia next. They can absolutely, you know, think to themselves, we can beat Slovakia. They, they do it all the time. They, like, they, they just make games as boring as hell and then they just win a penalty at some point or score a set piece and. And that's how they do things. So I'm sure I they'll could, beat Slovakia I in also see in that, game. I could also see that game being like second.
0: Slovakia going for like a nil-nil or 1-1. One, one. Um, and with that, they pretty much go through with four points. So huge, huge result for Slovakia to get the win against Poland. Um, I think they just really need a draw in these next two games to to go through. So I think they'll, they'll go all out for that draw against Sweden. And if Sweden come out with two points after the first two games and they, they got to play Poland for a result in, in like a pretty much – you know, live or die situation in that last game. I think that might w- be what ends up happening, where like the winner of that game goes through, um, and it's possible that Slovakia, if they they don't get concede too much, the rest of the tournament that they go through because uh, because of their defense. Um, but yeah, uh, this group is 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 nicely poised now. Yeah, and
1: that brings us to the group of death that happened earlier today. Uh, Portugal went to Hungary. Won three nil, scored all three of their goals in the last uh, you know ten minute range of the of the game. After creating plenty of chances uh, before that, um, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, the other game was France Germany. France came out one nil winners uh, in Munich at the Allianz Arena. So a pretty impressive uh, result for them, despite that goal being a Hummel's own goal in the twentieth minute. Uh, I guess we'll start with the Portugal game because. I was making the comparison to you that this Portugal side kind of seemed to me like they approach games similarly to how Manchester United have, like this past season. Uh, maybe they they don't mean to do it, but it just kind of ends up being that way. Like they're they're on top against you know lesser sides, but they just kind of make it harder than it needs to be. They kind of have like a, a rocky shake where they either go behind or in Portugal's case in this game, uh, they, they didn't officially go behind, but there was I think a. Uh, goal for Hungary that was chalked off for offside, with about like 15 minutes to go, maybe a little bit less. It was like 75th minute, yeah, something it, like, like really that. Really scared it the shit like, out of Portugal. It seemed like Hungary at home in a pa- the only packed stadium of the tournament so far, and likely for the rest of the tournament. Uh, the place goes absolutely insane. It seems like Hungary have pulled off the impossible. And then it goes back to nil nil, and Portugal just sort of wake up and decide, okay, time to score the goals, and just quickly start. Yeah, they kind of just, know, As soon as they
0: scored the first goal, Hungary just kind of gave up, and Portugal just blew them away. Um, but I think Portugal deserved. I mean, they they had so many chances in the first half that they missed. Um, you know, it was just Jota, Ronaldo, Guerrero. They they had they had so Bernardo many chances. Silva. Yeah, Bernardo Silva. They, they were
1: playing. They were playing like pretty well. I don't want to make it seem like they were terrible. They Just, you know, didn't seem like as sharp as they needed to be for most of that game, and then finally, when they had like the wake up call of Hungary almost going ahead, all of their players just sort of seemed like, I, Okay, I would have let's thought uh, Bruno
0: Fernandes would have, uh, oh, and apparently, it's a, it's Bruno Fernandes, Fernage. Bruno Fernandes, no, it's Bruno Fernandes, that's how you say it, Fernandes, Bruno yeah, Fernandes,
1: Portuguese pronunciation,
0: yeah, but uh. But yeah, no. I just heard the commentator saying it. I think it's like John Champion. He like he like always looks up how to say the players' names, and he's like, "It's a Bruno Fernandes," and I was like, "Oh wow! Like it's what a god! Like <laughs> actually using the proper pronunciation." Um, but the 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 France. I mean, both of these results we we kind of predicted. We said Portugal were going to win. We said France were going to win. This is kind of the, the the two favorites for the tournament, and they showed it in these games. Um, I mean, I think Germany were okay. But I think France were the deserved victors in the end. They had a couple of goals that were chalked off for offside, a beautiful Mbappe goal that was chalked off for offside, and they had a, an, another goal as well. Um, but, the Benzema one. Yeah, yeah. the Benzema one that was, that was chalked off. So, you know, this, this France side, I think they played well enough. They showed that they, they just let Germany have the ball. They sat back, played on the counterattack. They were dangerous the entire game. They really limited Germany to very, very few chances, and Golo Conte bossed the midfield. Um, Paul Popgut did his usual thing that he does for France. He looked really good as well, and Rabiot looked pretty good. Rabiot, as well, yeah, even Rabiot looked I good. I mean, it's just it. This France team is is in the best form of its, its existence right now. So, this team right now, you know, this is the, the sky's the limit for them.
1: It, it's a pretty. I mean, I'm sure their tactical breakdown that Deschamps goes into is probably a little bit more you know in depth than this. But it kind of seems to me like with the players they have, they can realistically just play, you know, four at the back, two players in midfield, one of them's N'Golo Kante, and the other is probably Rabiot, maybe another, maybe Toliso. And those six players, plus the goalkeeper, can pretty much say that their job is to defend and to just, you know, maintain the, the, the team shape. Whereas Griezmann, Benzema, Mbappe, and Pogba are just given the license Pogba maybe a little bit has a back and forth defensive and offensive box to box role, but he's really let off the leash in this formation to sort of supply those front three players with all of their great uh, characteristics with, you know, the opportunity to go forward and score goals. And, you know, they didn't score all the goals they could have uh, today against Germany, but they got the result. I they mean, followed this their is, own strategy. You is, know, they got their early goal, and then they sat deep and defended I, I, I've, and tried to take I, I've been listening
0: to all these hipsters trying to call Germany to win this group, and I, I was just kind of laughing. <laughs> like <laughs> Germany was not, was not, never going to win this group. Um, people who believed in this Germany side, I, I don't see it. Um, I think this, it's too. They're too young. They're, this coach is co- is going out the door, um, and there wasn't like a very cohesive game plan with Germany. They just had like a Muller um Havertz. Havertz front three and I mean they were like they had some a couple of good sequences of play, but it was mostly just like, you know, through balls into Nabri's feet, and that Nabri tried to run in and like do a couple of moves to beat the center back, but it it, it it was just didn't there was not a lot of creativity for me. Um and I expected more from from players like Ilkay Gunduan and and Joshua Kimmich and yeah, you know, they they just don't look like they have a, well, the, a cohesive game plan. Kimmich. Yeah, they just don't look like they have an, like a cohesive game plan to to break a team like France down, who are so good defensively. So um, yeah. I think they're going to have and, trouble and with Portugal as well. They don't have as well.
1: Conte. Yeah. They don't have Angolo Kante so that they can just make their team's game plan really simple. So simple isn't always bad because it worked for France or works for France. But, you know, sometimes you need to have a bit more of, a, of an idea of how you're going to break down as a team as good as France. I still have hope for Germany. I, I think they're capable of you know bouncing back and playing better against Portugal, but I could just see that Portugal game going exactly the same way. Portugal, you know, going up one nil in the first half at some point. Yeah, I kind of think it's going to be something like game, that, like one 0 one nil
0: off. Portugal, or even maybe, maybe two one. I think Germany get a goal. Um, I don't think they're as good defensively as France are, but they're they're still very good defensively. Um, I think Rui Patricio is, is just not as good of a goalkeeper.
1: Do you want know some big call that I think both of us can kind of get behind? After that first Hungary performance, I think we need to see where the the game is going to be played. But when they play Germany, I wouldn't be like too surprised to see that be the game where Hungary maybe get a result.
0: Get a result, yeah. If they're at home, absolutely, if, absolutely. I mean, I could
1: just be completely wrong and they get you know destroyed by Germany, but you know, it's their final game. Of the group and it's going to be in munich so yeah probably not probably Probably not not likely
0: probably not going to happen
1: okay so maybe germany win that one go home with a bit of a smile on their faces or maybe even get through in third place with three points but this portugal game coming up uh, their next game in the group for germany is going to be absolutely huge Uh, so we we do have to mention uh, i mean my three games that i would suggest to people if you're going to be watching uh, the euros coming up the rest of this week and this weekend uh, I would say Italy, Switzerland, which may have already happened by the time you're listening to this. Uh, Wednesday, June 16th at 3 p.m. Uh, England, Scotland, Friday at 3 p.m. and Portugal, Germany, Saturday 12 p.m. If you don't watch those three games, I mean, in the match day two, like the second round of games, those are the three must watches. And so there's obviously some others. Good in there suggestions. Too. Yeah, and then e- even after that, the match week three or match day three games, the third round is going to be starting on Sunday. So. Uh, it's I mean, that's, that's the final round and we'll start having an idea of who's through and not uh, by the by uh, basically the end of next weekend. So all to play for the Euros. Still a very intriguing tournament. Uh, we can kind of look ahead now to Copa America, South America. There's uh, two groups set up in South America. They've got the Zona Norte and the Zona Sud, sir. The first group is uh, they're both five teams, but the first group is Brazil, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, Venezuela. Uh, the second group is Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, Paraguay, and Bolivia. And uh, the top four teams in each of those five team groups go through to a knockout round, where the first place team in each group will play the fourth place team, second versus third, uh, like from the it's, other groups. It's so kind of
0: it's kind of a weird
1: format. Um, it's the first time, but I kind of like it.
0: Yeah, um, I was going to say. I, I, I mean, think I think I think, I think I think Peru can definitely make it out of the group. I think you know we can definitely finish above Ecuador and Venezuela um i think we're probably going to lose against Brazil and Colombia but well, we know, have to
1: make sure that this, this tournament has already kicked off the first like game for most teams kicked off over the the weekend like yeah. sunday Brazil and, looked really good right.
0: against Venezuela they got a 3-0 win um and kind of yep. destroyed Venezuela Colombia had uh, a close game with Ecuador um that was kind of cagey and Ecuador definitely had some chances and probably Deserved at least a draw out of that game, Um, so Ecuador. I don't think they're going to be pushovers by any means. Um, They have a they have a good side, um, and this Colombia side um, as well. So, but I think Venezuela will be the one team that Peru should definitely finish over in this. But Venezuela, you never know. They they've got a decent side. Venezuela have
1: decent players. They do. I feel like you're the same level abouts as like Ecuador and Venezuela. Like it really could go either way in those head-to-head games that you guys have with them. But which group do you think is harder? Your group
0: yeah i think so too like i, mean, I think I they have the like the other
1: group has more teams
0: but like whichever but team has brazil is yeah brazil is just right, like a powerhouse group is
1: because you have brazil and colombia which i think are the two best teams maybe uruguay ahead of colombia but i think those two teams are just they're just fucking tough to beat right uh <laughs> and then ecuador and venezuela and peru like none of them are bad teams none of them's bolivia
0: Exactly. So, like, the worst team is in—and then, like, the, the like hard teams in that group are, like, Uruguay and Argentina. Um, and basically, I know that Argentina and Chile just got a draw yesterday, um, and Paraguay got the result, um, a 3-1 win against Bolivia. But I think Bolivia, you know, are, are going to be left behind in this group stage. I think it's going to be the, you know, Venezuela and Bolivia that, that are left behind. Um, I think it's just—we need to decide where we think teams are going to finish— um, so I think in Group A. So again, Group A is. Um, it's it's zona norte. Zona Son, Norte. It's Norte.
1: Zona S- Norte. I mean, it's yes. Portuguese. That's not my that's not my area of expertise.
0: Oh, is it in Brazil? I don't think it's. Oh, yeah, it is in being, Brazil. They okay. moved it
1: from Argentina to Brazil.
0: Okay, um, but yeah, in the Zona Norte, uh, there's Brazil, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, Venezuela, and I think Brazil win that group. I don't think there's like any chance. That Colombia, it. I think Brazil are just like impeccable in these types of knockout rounds. And
1: how could you say something so controversial
0: yet so brave? I know I'm such a I'm so <laughs> I'm so controversial <laughs> picking Brazil to win the group. What a what a crazy crazy thing. Um, I'm just here for the Brazil
1: Colombia game. That's going to be Wednesday, June yeah, 23rd, that's going to be fun. PM, but, but next Wednesday for you listening.
0: But I don't know how. Um, I think Colombia most likely finish second. Uh, I have a bad feeling that Peru might finish fourth in this group. That like Ecuador look better than us, and we just barely squeak by and finish fourth with like a and narrow two one win I over Venezuela. I would Venice be worried below. about
1: not getting out of this group. I would worry yeah. about being the bottom team yeah, in this group I, I, if I were you. Yeah,
0: I am worried about that. So I think I think I'm going to predict Peru squeaking out in fourth place, and you know we just get that narrow. Narrow, narrow uh, victory over Venezuela, and maybe like a draw Do you have or a any, win over Ecuador.
1: You you spoken very generally of Peru so far, but obviously you watch most of their games. Are there any like new developments to the team? I I've watched a good amount of them too, and the only one I can really think of is one that you and I have mentioned to each other is Lapadula. Yeah,
0: Lapadula uh, actually getting some, some from,
1: game time. What Italian clubs does he play or club did he, does he play for? I think he plays for Bologna. Also, oh, he plays in Syria. It's not. Serie B. I think it's Serie B. Isn't
0: Bologna in Serie B?
1: No, Bologna are in Serie A. Oh, he plays for Benevento in Serie B. Yeah,
0: I just remember he played in Serie B. Oh, no, in
1: Serie A. Sorry, I screwed that up as well. I thought they got relegated. It's hard to keep track. So, yeah, he plays in Serie A. Okay. <laughs> played a good amount for them this year. Why, why have we not seen him before? He's 31 now. Why Why, we, why is he not at the last World Cup? Why are... Like, why, like, uh, is he like an answer of sorts to you guys? Because, I mean, Peru were very, very good in the buildup yeah, to that 2018 World Cup. He only then. just
0: got his first call up, like, I think last year. So he only, he only has four appearances for Peru. Um, I don't know why he wasn't called up before. Maybe he didn't declare. Okay, so he had the he had eligibility between Italy and Peru, and then he wasn't sure. Like he thought maybe he had a chance, I guess, of getting into the Italy team. He scored a hat trick apparently for the Italy national foot, f- like the national B team. I didn't know there was like an, an Italy national football B team, but you know he scored a hat trick apparently in that, and then ended up declaring for Peru later on. So I guess that's why he ended up. He thought he was going to make be make it in Italy side. Okay, well, uh, is there yeah, he's excited We should be
1: looking out for in per- yeah. for Peru's team.
0: No, I mean, it's, this is just like pretty much the same team. Um, just that like Advinkola is playing a more like advanced wing role, um, which is like interesting that he's playing a little bit further up the pitch. And they're, they're uh, sometimes he's playing Corzo like behind Advinkola and letting Advinkola play like a little bit further up the pitch. Um, and then we've also seen, you know, we're still seeing the the usual midfield of Yotun and Tapia, who Tapia is probably Peru's best player at this it's a good point. Midfield. Yeah. You know, and just need goals. And yeah, we just need Cueva and Correa to actually start creating and, and getting a couple of goals. Um, and even this uh, Sergio Pena kid um, who plays in the Dutch league, he's like 25 years old. People are calling for him. He's just like a fast um, attacking midfielder slash winger. And, you know, I kind of want to see him get a little bit more game time.
1: Okay. So your prediction for Peru is that they probably finish fourth, and you think it's Ecuador that gets third fourth in that or, group? Fourth and or third. Venezuela. Yeah, fourth out? or
0: third. Yeah, I think Venezuela miss out.
1: Okay. I, I'd probably I probably say... Uh, oh, God, I didn't see... Did Ecuador win? Ecuador lost. No, they lost to Colombia. Okay. I'm going to say the opposite. I'm going to say Venezuela get fourth, Peru get third, Colombia second, and Brazil first. Ecuador miss out. Wow. Okay. Which? Right. If, wow. But if you're right, and you guys and Peru get fourth, then you would finish, or you would play the first place team from uh, Zona Sur, uh, which... Eh, not, I don't think not lo- the worst, I don't think to be it honest. it looks like it's going to be Argentina, but in any case, it's going to be one of Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, or Paraguay.
0: Yeah, that's not the worst. I don't, I'm not like, Uruguay would probably be the worst of those, but.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, I, I think we could say Argentina and Uruguay would be just as bad as each other, just for the Messi sure. factor alone. Sure, Yeah, we don't <laughs> want to play against
0: Messi. Yeah, we don't want to play but
1: against him. We, we, Javier, we can't lean on that nil-nil at the uh, Bombonera from Oof. years ago. I like, still lean on that memory, Alex. That was one game. It was one game. It was a great performance, and you guys did well, but uh, this is a very different tournament. And uh, it's in Brazil against... I don't know if there's any fans there, because there's still a lot of COVID troubles in uh, Brazil. Uh, in which in all of South America
0: it. right now, yeah. So a lot of people are calling for this Copa America to be called off because of all the problems that are plaguing South America right now um, with... Elections and um, just COVID and and dictatorships and just aw- isn't awful it, isn't that things. like all the time awful in South things. America, though? Uh, yeah, but it's really bad right now. Like Venezuela, yeah, Argentina, Chile, yeah. Peru, Brazil, all like suffering very badly. Colombia? Po- po- politically. Um, yeah, Colombia. I mean, just pretty much the whole continent is just in, in disarray right now. So it's hard to think about football right now when it comes to but we, we and you can tell that the players aren't like a hundred percent like in, the, in it like they, they they because there's no fans in the stadium because there's no like they, they're not like i don't know i feel like the, the passion's not a hundred percent there but we're still going to cover it um you know i think the zona sur argentina uruguay chile paraguay bolivia i think this this group's a little bit more open except for the bottom i think bolivia is just like Rock bottom in this group. There's no way they they finish even fourth. Do you like right?
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm with you. That's why I said the the team you're going to play against is one of those other four teams. Yeah, I mean, and right now and Paraguay like, honestly, are top honestly, of the because they beat it's Bolivia. It's up for grabs. But-
0: it's up for grabs. I was going to say, um, um, I I think this Paraguay side, the there's a lot of players that play in South America, um, that play in like Argentina or in like Brazil. Um, but there, there's a few recognizable names like Miguel Almeron who, you know, plays for Newcastle. Who's, uh, who's, who's, a, I I think, a uh, a, a pretty, he plays pretty well for them. Um, you know, I don't think he starts every game for Newcastle, but he's been the catalyst for them before. Starts most of them. Yeah.
1: The Fabian Balbuena, he didn't start in the, uh, the Bolivia game, but he plays for West Ham at a center back. It's like uh, one or two, but, but then, yeah, they have players from, from good teams in Argentina and Obviously, their own domestic league. This uh, Angel Romero uh, guy who plays for San Lorenzo, just yeah, got a, got a brace in the yeah, Bolivia yeah. Game. And,
0: and looked good. So, I mean, I don't know too many of the Paraguay players. I, I used to know a lot more from from these players from their last World Cup squad. I think they've they've rotated a lot. They've brought in a oh, lot of new players. De la
1: Cruz days,
0: yes. Um, so those were some great teams. So, yeah, I I, I I'm Cardoso. interested to see if Paraguay can like restore their their tradition because they're they've always been fairly good in the last you know twenty years or so. But uh, I'm going to say that Chile finish, hmm, that that was a good result that they got against Argentina. I mean, I know that like Argentina this, had a bunch of Chile chances. This Chile generation
1: but just won't go away. They, they won't go they away.
0: Just, the, the
1: oldies just won't won't go away. I mean, Alexis Sanchez is injured, but I mean, Arturo Vidal, Gary Medel, there's other ones I'm Mauricio missing. Isla. Mauricio Isla is absolutely yeah, one. Uh, Vargas, uh, they, Eduardo Vargas. Vargas isn't even that old. He's, he's thirty-one, but while. yeah, yeah. But Aranguis, I mean Charles like, Char- yeah, Charles Arangis Are they're still like in the prime of their careers? And Eric Poulgar, who plays, uh, I think, for Fiorentina in in Syria. Yeah, he's like, pretty good. You know, he's I like a, him. a young player. Um, yeah, there's still. They're, oh, Claudio Bravo is the obvious one. He he didn't get to that Messi free kick this time. Uh, the one that Messi scored last uh, the other night was pretty much identical to like a World Cup qualifying save that uh, Claudio Bravo made on Messi last week when they drew one one uh, but didn't get to it this time but so yeah I mean they're they' still fun to watch they're 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 in a bit of a transitional period and they're probably not favorites to win this tournament like they used to be but I'm gonna I'm gonna put we, Chile, we both expect them to get out of the group I
0: think Chile finished fourth in the group um I think Paraguay third Uruguay first and Argentina second
1: I think it's Argentina Uruguay one Argentina two. Chile three, Paraguay four.
0: All right. So just a slight, deviation I like Paraguay, but they've just think, gotten
1: off to an easy start because they Paraguay. beat Bolivia. Yeah.
0: No, I just, um, I'm not high now on Chile. Right now the tournament starts for them. And I, I don't like Chile either. So, you know, I want them to have to play like Brazil in round one and just get like dogged. So,
1: which team, if you had to pick other than Brazil, would you pick to win this tournament?
0: Probably Uruguay, uh, just because like Cavani and Suarez are, are both in very good form right now. Um, they have like very talented midfield. They have talented defenders. You know, they, this is kind of the swan song for um, some of their older players like Cavani and Suarez. I know they have the World Cup, but you know these last couple of tournaments are really going to be the ones where they need to show big. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like Uruguay. I okay. think it's about now, time. Now, if you
1: had, if you had to eliminate Uruguay and Brazil and pick from the rest of the, the remaining teams, which team would you pick? Argentina really i know that you'd see, pick colombia whole point was that i would pick colombia and that's but how think, far i think i think i think it's because
0: yeah i was going to say it's because i think messi like he needs to win an international tournament and the people are going to say like just maybe he, maybe it's going it to maybe it might happen now you know who knows i just yeah i don't see it i could see it being this trash copa that like no one cares about but it is in brazil so brazil at home it's going to be hard to beat them but brazil choke a lot at home so maybe they do maybe they will Maybe Another Messi will I kind of finally hope, do it.
1: I, I kind of hope I'm wrong in that I feel like if Argentina f- finish top of that group, uh, the group with, they're in with, Uruguay, I think we've both just picked Uruguay to finish first instead. But if Argentina can pull off finishing first in that group and then get to the final, I, I would like them to finish first just so that they end up on the opposite side of the bracket from Brazil. Because I, f- I feel like Argentina-Brazil needs to only be played in the final. Maybe like... Sub in Uruguay, Uruguay, Brazil would be a, a really great game as well. But like pretty much any combination of Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, and Colombia in the final would just
0: be—I I would just be happy—and Copa I, America I, would be a success. I, I guarantee to me. that that's probably going to be the fo- what, The four finals. I don't know.
1: Copa America can pull up with some weird results in like the early knockout rounds, or just like yeah, I don't know. It might happen. Who knows? Uh, if I didn't pick Brazil, I would pick Colombia to win this. I'm really high on Colombia. I know they don't have Hamas Rodriguez, but, you know, any front line that has Luis Muriel and uh, Duvan Zapata, I'm all about that. That's uh, that's my jam. Give me more Atalanta, more and more Atalanta, and I'm on your side, baby. All right, I'd say we'd had our fill of a uh, footy talk for one day. Got plenty of Euros and plenty of Copa America Yeah, it went and... a little
0: long today. Sorry, guys.
1: Yeah, it happens. Uh, I mean, the games... I'm, I'm just going to quickly drop the games in this Copa America that are uh, upcoming over the next week or so that you should be watching. There's going to be Argentina-Uruguay Friday, this Friday, 8 p.m. Uh, Uruguay-Chile Monday at 5 p.m. Just to finished work, you know, throw on Uruguay-Chile. Argentina-Paraguay later that night, Monday, uh, June 21st at 8 p.m. And then Brazil-Colombia Wednesday, June 23rd, 8 p.m. That needs to be on like Fox like proper. They, they did that for Brazil against Venezuela over the weekend on Sunday night. They had it on like the actual Fox, you know, TV channel. I was very proud of them for that, so hopefully we see more and more of that for uh, with Copa America rights being in Fox's hands. So uh, Javier, thanks for jumping on this pod with me, I know it was a long one, but we've built up the stamina to be able to handle these through uh, many hours of sitting on our asses and talking about football to each other on phone screens. It's what we do. Um, it's what we do. It's what we do. It's what we do the best. <laughs> uh, You can follow us on social media at ASMoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram, at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, and at Pod for the podcast, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy more Euros and Copa America action the rest of this week. And until next time, see ya!